I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is Internet Marketing. Brought to you by Site Visibility at sitevisibility.com. This is Internet Marketing. I'm Andy White, and I'm joined by Felice Ailing. Sorry, that was, that was a bit of a dramatic <laughs> introduction, wasn't it? Okay. Basically, um, listeners, Kelvin is, is so busy organising Brighton SEO and all sorts of exciting stuff like that, mm. that uh, he is going to take more of a back seat. I think he will be coming on later, won't he, Felice? Yes, I think he's going to be doing a couple this month. He'll still be around. He'll be yeah. popping in every now and Don't then. worry, you'll still hear his high goodbyes and stuff like that occasionally. <laughs> but Felice, tell us about yourself, because you're, you're a, a content marketing expert, aren't you? I am, yes. I've just uh, started with site visibility. My background, I started off in PR and communications, as is always the way. Uh, I was the only one sort of doing anything with the website when it came up. Mm. Um, so I, you know, would, would take on updating newsletters and updating content. So I started going on training courses, listening to podcasts just like this, um, and learning a, li- a little bit more about digital. And then working in uh, mainly in public sector and then NHS for the first few years. So I was responsible for establishing the first online presence um, for a lot of um, public sector and public facing organisations, which was interesting. Mm. Um, So it really started from there. And I think I took a a longer, much longer course with the CIM um, and then started looking at, um, I did a sort of a year long course that, that built my skills up around sort of online PR Mm. and then looking more specifically at digital marketing and then getting more into the technical side of things, looking at SEO um, and looking at social media, but all from a a PR and a comms perspective, really. Um, So for me, you know, it's always been the case um, up until a few years ago that technical SEO and content were always kept very separate. Um, Content was always much more the domain of the the PR team and the marketing team. Mm. Um, And it was often just used to push out marketing messages, social media, that's how it started. Um, And then, you know, you'd have the the geeks in the basement and they didn't talk to anybody doing all the techie stuff. Um, You still get that? You still get that a little bit. Yes. And, you know, generally we'd only go and see them if email stopped working or, Mm. you know, the, the website went down. But for me, I think I was always, you know, I'm a bit of a geek at heart. So... I you know was used to quite like getting into all the techie stuff and knowing how it works. So mm. rather than just you know somebody fix it for me, um, I'd always go and ask. And that actually became 
something that I started doing more often. I think at the time I was offering sort of, you know, digital marketing and I was working around that kind of area. Um, but it wasn't really as widely understood. So I was being asked to do more of the technical SEO and do site reviews and, and try and work out um, for companies how they could, you know, get their their website optimised better um, for Google. Um, and, you know, over that time I found... That that's you know companies just really you know website owners just didn't really understand that. Sorry, I'm nodding, listeners. I, okay. I do a lot of nodding. I'm nodding back. Sorry, at you. sorry, Felice. We're both nodding it. now. Yeah, sorry. Carry on. <laughs> like nodding dogs in the back of the car. Yeah. I think I just you know started to see that there was a real opportunity um, to work with small you know to work with especially small businesses and startups to start looking at their website as a portal. Um, to communicate with their customers um, rather than just trying to bump up the search results. I mean, obviously, everyone wants to appear on the, the, you know, the f- front page of Google, mm. especially for their own brand name. Um, but, uh, you know, as, as Google's been changing and the focus now has become much more on high quality content and engagement, um, you know, their, their focus is on the end users, those, you know, those yeah. that are going in and searching um, and they want to make sure that they're delivering the best possible content um, for their users. So it's not about which website can technically optimize their site the best it's about which one is actually delivering the best content um so you know a few years ago with all the the google updates then content marketing as a as a term was was born really yeah because i was wondering when that happened it's been around for a while i think there's, there's always been people that have focused more on content first anyway um and with then i think the, google obviously started to recognize that people were manipulating um, yeah. you know manipulating search and gaming the system very much so um, you know there's always a few that ruin it for everybody else and obviously as they were trying to understand users as well um, you know they've they've obviously started to you know develop in, and make changes um, to their algorithms the way they crawl sites to the way they rank sites and what they're looking for um, in terms of you know higher quality and I think with social media you know really brought that into its own with people being able to share content you know so it's not just about what's on the page because you know business owners can say whatever they like on their website Um, but with social media came the rise of you know customer opinion customer advocacy Um, and as we all know you know independent comments and independent reviews you know tell a lot more about a brand um, than their own site does so with the first penguin updates that's when a lot of sites found they were hit and their rankings, you know, severely reduced because Google was starting to pick up on the dirty tactics and yeah. all these black hats, black hat SEOers were doing. And, you know, there's a lot of sites found that they sort of dropped off the search pages. Um, for a lot of, you know, for some sites that was, a, you know, some businesses actually went under because of that. Now, Penguin, when was that? That was a while ago now, wasn't it? So I think the first one was about two years ago. And it, it caused a massive stir. It, it was then that people really started to cotton on to the fact that Google was not going to be manipulated anymore. It was not going to be toyed with. Um, you know, and as it always has and always should have been, you know, Google's focus was always on quality. It just didn't really know how to measure it. So I think with this update, it took it, you know, a massive step towards being able to understand um, the quality 
um, of content and how relevant it was to the end users. Um, so for those sites that had been using backhanded tactics to push their sites content up and push very low quality content like link farms and things like yeah, that. yeah all of those kind of things and you, you've got people putting in um you know loading content up with keywords to the point where it was almost unreadable um and you know doing a lot of you know paying for links paying there's lots of companies out there that offer to you know to buy you like five thousand links for sure, yeah. however much money um you know and you've, you've just no idea where those links are coming from so all of those sites you know suddenly found they were being penalized um so you know the the industry had to react pretty quickly and um and i says you know for those companies that were their primary business was selling those black hat seo services um you know a lot of them ended up folding um because they weren't in a position to react um, you know, they weren't really interested in quality. Um, there were a lot of sites that were hit that were genuinely providing a good service. Um, you know, there's a lot of sites out there that that's main job is to create content from across the web. So, mm. you know, the, we had to, you know, there's a lot of companies that had to change tack pretty quick and, um, and had to uh, uh, adapt to that. So, I mean, for, for people like me, it was, it was, um, fantastic news yeah. you know for us that had always been pushing quality content um you know for me my my focus is you know and i think because uh, i've sort of brought, been brought up in the public sector um it was never about the sale it was always about engagement and always about getting people um you know to to view the brand more fondly um you know to raise awareness um to actively engage and ask people's opinion um and that was always something you know to build that two-way communication and trust w was always a focus for me it wasn't necessarily about the the end sale and and the bottom line so you know to see this update and to see people start moving much more towards genuinely engaging with their customers um you know it meant that that there was a you know a lot more opportunity to work with customers and to work on more exciting and interesting campaigns with them as well. Sure, you know we've seen some really interesting um, and really you know quite good fun sort of you know content strategies coming out um, from you know some small companies and some you know some quite big companies. And I think they're just they're a lot more open now to trying new things sure. and to taking it taking a chance and. You know, with things like video content now um, being much more, you know, widely available to people, it's not necessary to have a massive production company come sure. in and create video for you. You can do it on your iPhone and upload it. I think there's just there's just so much fun to be had with it now. And I'm talking about video and stuff. I know that you've got a favourite, uh, a couple of favourite examples of content marketing, haven't you? Tell us about those. I do. Yes, I've got um. I mean, there's always a few that I think, oh, you know, I would have loved to have worked on that campaign. Um, but I think my, one of my most favourite ones for the last few years um, is a campaign called Will It Blend? I remember those. And it's a, a blend company in America called um, Blendtech, and they make blenders. So, you know, pretty standard, not terribly exciting um, in terms of a product. Um, but they, you know, the sales were... A, bit down they were looking to try and improve that and they brought in a new marketing manager and he took a slightly different approach rather than just coming in and looking at sales and advertising and traditional marketing um he did uh a, just a bit of a walk around the company so starting to understand what they do um how the process works and and i think he was inspired by 
the production process. Yeah. He got to a point where, you know, where the blenders are tested um, and he found it was, a, you know, a guy in a room chucking all kinds of stuff into a blender to test the blade strength. Um, and I think he saw uh, an opportunity there. He you know, and I thought this was, could actually be quite good fun, you know, to see what else, you know, what else would blend in these machines. Um, so Will It Blend was born... And I think it cost them about $500, maybe not even that, maybe even been a little bit less. Um, and they set up the CEO in a room with a camera and a blender. And he, you know, basically just chucked some rather amusing everyday objects into the blender. Such as iPods. Such as iPods. That became very popular. Yeah. Um, they set up a website and they asked people to suggest things. Um, and that's when it really took off. So that's where the feedback comes in. That's where the yeah. feedback comes yeah. in. And it's, you know, and, it, and again, they could have promoted, you know, the, the, the standard messaging around, you know, the, obviously the blade's very strong and it blends everything. But the bottom line is most people only want a blender to blend soft things, you know, fruit, vegetables, maybe a few nuts, that kind of thing. Um, so it doesn't necessarily need to be able to cut metal for it to work. Um, but that's where the, the, you know, that's where the magic came. Um, they... They set up a website. They posted, started posting videos, um, regular ones, I think about every week, blending different items um, and started asking people to suggest the next thing that they could blend. Mm. And they did find that I, iPhones um, were always top of the list. As soon as there was a new <laughs> iPhone out, that was straight at the top of the list. Somebody wanted to see it blended. Um, and the campaign's still going now. Um, and, you know, and it, it cost them almost nothing to start producing this content and I think within the first 12 months their sales increased by about 140 percent um because they found you know they found a way to not only showcase the product which they were um you know they were showing showcasing the product really well sure and um, that was just a series of YouTube videos effectively was it yeah and I think I mean I think they recorded them all on on YouTube um but they did set up their own website and then see you know showcase all the videos on there so there was a forum set up so people could comment um you know obviously all the sharing options were there um and you know and it, and it, it went viral um and it went you know worldwide really quickly I love that one a because it's quite good fun to watch um iPhones being blended um but also it's it came from something that was already happening. You know, yeah. they didn't have to go out of the way to think of something really snazzy and really cool. And, you know, things like the, you know, the the Red Bull stunt um, with the, um, the, you know, the guy jumping out of the space capsule and parachuting back to Earth. It's very cool, but it's, you know, you that takes a lot of work, a lot of sure. work to put together. There's most companies that's out of their reach. And I think this was a small company that just found a little bit of magic within the process they were already delivering. Um, you know, they already had somebody in a room throwing stuff into blenders to test it. And they just took it a step further and made it fun and made it engaging. And I think it just goes to show what a small company can achieve. With and, and they chose a really good platform as well, YouTube, because it makes it so shareable, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, we love yeah. we love YouTube and obviously Google loves YouTube. Um, and it loves to share, you know, Google loves to share video content. Um, when we... One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. You know, the, the click-through rate of, of video content, um, as opposed to text, is around 70% higher. I think it's almost... Even compared to um, image content, um, it's around 12, I think it's about 12 times higher. So, you know, people love video. They, you know, this is, I mean, everyone's been saying it for the last couple of years, haven't they? It's the rise of the video. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think 2013 really saw that massive shift. Um, and for me, it's, you know, I always look at, uh, talk to my clients and, and, and look at content and think if we can produce a video rather than a, a text around this, sure. let's do it. But, you know, the, when you look at the, the amount of video content that's uploaded like every second. Oh, I know, it's ridiculous. And, yeah, it's like over a million hours or something. It's, you know, it's just crazy amounts. Um, but you can still break through the noise with video far better, um, far better than text. I always think there must be a point when it, become saturated but apparently not they people can't get enough i know you're also interested in the the the, uh, the youtube no the o2 the o2 um campaign tell us about that yeah well i, I mean o2 you know you'd have to be living under a rock to not have seen the dancing pony video um that came out last year i, I, I don't think i've seen the dancing pony have video not seen tell, it? tell us about the dancing pony video you have to watch it it's um it's a video of a little shetland pony yeah. and it's dancing to you know it's a very well-known very well-known song um it's one that every you know everyone would have heard at some point um but this little shetland pony is you know the michael jackson reference because the pony moonwalks um through the video uh. and he's you know and he's dancing around the cliffs and then you know somebody drives past a farmer drives past something and he stops and pretends to graze and then carries on moonwalking across the scottish highlands um and it's just you know it was just very very sweet and very very funny what was it advertising o2 of course it was what was the link o2 now, O2 have been, it was actually marked the start of a very clever change in strategy for them in terms of their content marketing. They've been doing, you know, they've been on Facebook and Twitter and they've been on social media and their website for a while, but they hadn't really got the market share that the other big mobile brands have. And most, if you look at their Facebook page, anything before January last year, it's very product focused, you know, very much just pushing um, pushing O2 and they weren't really the brand of choice you know they, they a few years ago I think O2 were the first people to offer the iPhone 
Um, and so they were they were kind of cool for a while. Um, but, you know, that that came to an end. And now, you know, the iPhones were available on, on every network um, all at the same time. Um, so that was really their, their hook a few years ago. And they've sort of started being not dying a death, but, you know, they certainly weren't the the, the, the sure. network to, yeah. to choose and they had I mean they had things like their O2 rewards um, you know you get priority tickets for shows and things like that but again you know it weren't quite hitting the mark so they looked at their core demographic um, they did a bit of a review of their their customers and they said you know rather than just looking at their mobile usage um, you know let's look at what they actually share what they look at when they're online um, you know, and what came out of it was, as actually most of us know, um, you said, you know, with the, the, the entire, you know, wealth of information um, from across the world that's on the internet, we still spend most of our time sharing funny cat pictures. So, <laughs> and dancing ponies. So they decided that that's where they'd start focusing their content. They wanted to offer more of that kind of content. So their, their message was, we know you love pictures of funny cats um, and animals doing funny things. So we're going to start giving you that kind of content because we know that you like to share it. Um, so the, the Dancing Pony video kicked off that campaign. Um, and I think they got, uh, it was well over, it was a few million sh- um, views on YouTube, literally within a few days. Sure. And it, it did go viral very, you know, you, you, it was very, if you were on Facebook, you you know, it was it was there five, six times a day. I was seeing it posted over and over again. Um, and now if you look at their Facebook page, I think they've got around sort of 70% of the content on there now is animals doing funny things. Um, you With know, just a link back to the O2 website? Well, not even, yeah. I mean, the, they do share product information as well. But no, the, the content on the Facebook page is just here's some funny pictures that we know you're like but those pictures get shared yeah um you know people like them they share them um they comment on them because they're funny and every time they do that you know that post is then circulated through their network with a lovely o2 stamp at the top um so you know it's it's not even necessarily driving traffic back to the website it's pure engagement um, it's an increasingly awareness of O2, of increasing course. awareness yeah. of O2, um, and again, I'm not 100 percent sure on the on the exact figures, but I do know that their um, their brand awareness has has gone up significantly, um, and I think their share price has gone up as well um, as a result. And they're just a lot more popular, and people get them now, um, and they do, you know they've got this voice online that's very clear um, and very engaging with their customers. So. You know, for me, that's, you know, that's the kind of, that's the kind of content that I love. Yeah. Is, you know, it's not selfless. You know, they, it's not just there for our amusement. You know, we know who they are now. Um, And, you know, the brand is constantly there. You know, I'm seeing almost every day, you know, there's something from O2 in my updates. But, you know, if it were product information, I'd have unfollowed them a long time ago. Um, But because it's funny content, I continue to follow them, I continue to like them, I continue to share, you know, and I think this is, you know, when it comes to social media and online, you know, feeding back into the purchase cycle, which is what most people are here for, um, you know, we know that family and friend recommendations is the the biggest driver that comes top in terms of, you know, that the buying decision yeah. process. So, 
you know, the idea is if you're sharing content on Facebook, that is a vote of confidence to everybody in your network about that brand. So if I'm going to select a brand, you know, and I've got a few to choose from, you know, the deciding factor will be what my friends and family think and what they recommend. And if somebody else is, you know, going to a restaurant and I like that person, then I think I'll probably like that place they're going to and I might give that a try. And it's a way of cutting down the noise of, you know, just sharing those recommendations amongst your network. And I think brands that understand that will then see the value of of engaging online um, and sharing content that, you know, that really you know, that really appeals to their, you know, their core customer group, whether they're existing customers or not. I know that you could probably come up with about 16 ideas, but if there was one core tip for, uh, you know, a sort of um, content marketing type person who's just starting and is putting a campaign together, Mm. what would a top tip be? Um, Top tip would be, I mean, when it comes to social media, never do anything without a strategy. Um, you know, so often companies will have a Facebook account and we'll ask them, you know, why why, choose, why did you choose Facebook? Why have you got a Facebook account? Because everyone's on Facebook or because my boss said that we should have one. And without clear direction, without a clear voice, you don't know who you're talking to. And don't try and talk to everybody. You know, you need to be targeted and don't be afraid to cut out those people that aren't within your target group, um, yeah. you know, the more narrow your message, the what, you know, the more appeal it will have um, with the people you're talking to. I mean, there's some, you know, some great, we've got some resources and some exercises to do, you know, to help you get a sense of who you are online. You know, what's your voice? What's your personality? Who are you talking to? What else might they be interested in? Um, and I think it's, it's getting that right so that your message is consistent um you know and, and using that across your website across your social media um across your email marketing um and making sure that it connects with your the customer service experience offline um you know again i think you know i've seen a lot of content marketers sit within the marketing or the pr team um within companies and really have no idea about what's going on in the rest of the organization and sometimes with the rest of the world um, we've seen, you know, we've seen companies where, you know, they've lost their network or there's an issue with a product um, and it's causing a, you know, maybe perhaps a little bit of a, a stink online. And then you see the the Twitter and the Facebook account are still pushing out, you know, lovely messages um, yeah. about how wonderful they are, yeah. um, you know, because they've got no idea that there's an issue with the sales team sure. you know, across the other side of the country. Um, so, you know, content marketing, for it to be effective, it does need to... It needs to link across all. It's almost as if the the, the, the organisation needs to have a single consciousness, almost. Yes, yeah. it does, or at least one person who's checking in and making sure that they're not doing something that's contradicting somebody else. And you know, and even you know, in terms of the, you know, you've, you've got to know your organisation well. You've got to know your products well, know your service well. It isn't necessarily about going out there and saying we're the best people in the whole world and aren't we fantastic because you may not be. Um, but you, whatever it is you are offering to your customers, you've got to be clear about that. Uh, if we look at um, Ryanair and their external, uh, their customer-facing um, communications or well, lack of, I guess right. we should say, they have a very, you know, they have a very narrow, um, you know, you know exactly who they are. 
um, in terms of their online and they're very unapologetic. They're, you know, they're bolts and braces, you know, you, you get what you pay for, literally. Yeah. Um, so if you don't want frills, frills, you don't want fuss, you don't have to pay for it. Um, but the onus is on the customer to get it right. Um, and last year, a woman came, went online and complained because she'd forgotten her boarding pass. Okay. Um, and I think they either charged her or she ended up missing her flight. Um, and she was outraged at this. Yeah. And, you know, Ryanair responded by saying, well, it's in the information that you're supposed to, you know, have your boarding pass. If you don't read it, then you're stupid and maybe we don't want you flying with us anyway. <laughs> um, Did they actually use the stupid word? I think he called her stupid. Wow. Uh, yeah, they actually called her stupid. Um, and, you know, I'm not recommending that, that any, you know, that brands do this. However, Ryanair, you know, that's the way they deal with their customers. And because of that, they don't, you know, they don't invest in customer service. They put, you know, the, the onus is on the customer to do all of the work. But for that, they get flown from A to B for the cheapest possible price. And their customers know that, and that's why they use them. Yeah. Um, so anyone ex- who ex- goes to Ryanair expecting a good customer experience is going to be sorely disappointed. To just expect a customer experience. There's an experience there, yes. Um, <laughs> but they know their brand. You know, they weren't about to go online and say, "Oh, you know, we're really sorry." So well, you know, yeah. then the, you know everybody else can do it. So you know, it's just tough, really. Um, and you know, these upset a few people, and those people won't fly again. But then that's not his core customer group what we actually found you know you look at the conversation other Ryanair customers were coming online backing him up yeah that's amazing you know, it's isn't almost it like they, it's like they feel like they're in a little club yeah you know the yeah. Ryanair club and because they're and not they understand stupid, the mentality they understand the, the ethos in there yeah yes and because they get it right they feel like you know that we're not stupid we get it we're Ryanair customers. You're stupid. You don't get it. You may as well go and fly somewhere else. Um, and you think for a brand to be that abusive towards its customers and to still engender that kind of loyalty, you think you know he's 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 got it right just about. I mean, you know, this could always be on a downturn at some point. But it's you know it's about knowing what it is you offer and being honest about that, um, but understanding what the value in that is. And, and that, you know, that's what drives your your online communications. Well, Felice, that's been absolutely fantastic information. I'd love to go on because it's a fascinating subject, but sadly, we're getting low on time. So just to remind our listeners, show notes are on the website, sitevisibility.com slash IM podcast. And we love to get feedback and questions, especially. The email address to use is podcast at sitevisibility.com. There's a phone in number, plus four four one two seven three two five six one five zero. You can always send us an MP3 audio file and we can put that on as well and don't forget to comment on the show on iTunes so it's goodbye from me Andy White and it's goodbye from Felice Ailing until next time on Internet Marketing Small details are big surfaces tight corners are odd shapes flat rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. 
Only from Rustolium. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.